0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. X-ray.
1: Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm Will, and here's your host, Lillian Kerbake.
2: Let's talk about money. This week, we're going to talk about insurance. So we've had, the past two weeks, we've been kind of diving into some nitty-gritty of saving money and how to spend less money on food, and so now we're going to talk about the thing that no one likes to talk about, which is insurance, which is a way to spend money on a thing that you hope you never have to use. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, no one likes spending money on insurance. Even people who make their money selling insurance don't really enjoy buying insurance. Um, it's, I mean, it's frustrating, right? Because like the whole goal of getting insurance is to hope that you will never have any event in your life that's going to require you to use it. So it can feel like wasted money at the time that you spend it, right? You just see it going out and every n- month. And don't get it back. Yeah, yeah, you don't get it back.
1: I've never personally received an insurance payout that I can think of. Well, I guess health insurance.
2: That's kind of. Health insurance is more complicated than that. So that's actually one of the things. In this episode, we are going to talk about insurance. And a lot of people, partially because of the way the debate has been going with health insurance in recent years, when all they think of is health insurance when we talk about insurance. But we're actually going to talk about the other kinds of insurance. So property insurance, auto insurance, disability insurance, and life insurance. Um, And these are all, I guess, slightly less complicated products than health insurance. Um, And so I think that there is a lot to be said and learned about these. And I also think it's a thing that a lot of folks ignore. Um, A lot of folks don't get. Insurance because they think that they don't make enough money to want to spend money on it um, or they don't get insurance because they just don't see what benefit it would have for them. Um, auto insurance is one of those ones that most people, if they have a car, have auto insurance. Um, but a lot of people are very confused by their policy and they're not really totally sure what they're paying for. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So okay, so so from the very beginning, what is insurance good for and when should you think about buying it?
2: Um, Well, it's I think it's an important part of building a financial plan, Um, but there's a ton of ridiculous types of insurance out there that are just meant to prey on the poor or the financially insolvent um, or the uninformed middle class. I mean, there's a ton of traps and gimmicks out there that have you buying crap insurance that doesn't really help you out at all. Um, And so I just kind of wanted to give a broad outline of the main types of insurance that you might need. So homeowner's or renter's insurance is one of the types that um, most people would benefit from having.
1: Which will cover your home or your property, I assume. Yes.
2: So what a lot of renters don't know is that their landlord's insurance on their house does not cover them. So there's this legal term that isn't that complicated. It's essentially that in order to insure something, you must have interest in that. And interest is a legal term that essentially means like are you like are you interested do you physically have some ownership over that property and because your stuff in your apartment or the house that you rent is yours and not your landlord's they don't have an interest in that property and so that means that even if it's not your fault and the house burns down um then you if you don't have renter's insurance their insurance is not going to cover your property. It only covers their property, which is the house. Hmm. Um, And so this is... The the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that because renter's insurance is property insurance, it actually can cover your property often when you're not in your house. It doesn't have to be stolen or burned down in your house to be covered.
1: Right, right. I remember you saying that uh, in one case, somebody's stolen bicycle was covered through the renter's insurance. Yeah,
2: that's very common. And in Portland, I think this is a really great thing to check up on your policy. So if you ride your bike around a lot and you're a renter um you can make sure that your policy is covering your um covering your bike well and it can really reduce the blow if your bike gets stolen which is unfortunately a really common circumstance um one of the things you need to know is you have to look at your policy right there's a lot of ways in which renters insurance might not cover off premises property so you know you're you're buying it you're the consumer you can go out and choose a renters insurance policy based on wanting to get your bike insured Um, The other thing that you want to check on is if if you do want to get your bike insured. And so, like, I have uh, a very nice bike that I love very much, um, and it's not cheap. And some renter's insurance has a limit on how much it will pay out for an individual piece of property. Um, This is also important if, say, you are uh, someone who has a lot of musical equipment. So, you know, you have a really nice guitar. You have um, really nice audio visual equipment, any of that kind of stuff that that would be a big burden if it got stolen. What you want to do is make sure that whatever the limit per item on your policy is is high enough to cover your most expensive item. Yep. Yeah. So, I I guess I'm I'm throwing a lot around a lot of terms that I want to define for folks, but the first thing I want to understand, uh, I want you to understand is that insurance job is to transfer risk for big expensive things. The goal is to transfer risk for really expensive things, large car wrecks, major illness, injury, death, fire from you to the insurance company. And that's the reason for the symbol, the symbol for insurance is an umbrella. It's protecting you from big downpours, right? Yep. It's not meant for little things. It's usually not a good deal if you're getting insurance for something that you could cover easily out of pocket without a huge stress to you. So a small object being stolen, a doctor checkup, your emergency fund and your sinking funds are your protection for that, right? So once you get to that point where you've built up that emergency fund, that's your buffer for those little things, those little annoying things. Um, these are just small rain showers, right? Kind of in the perspective of the umbrella. Uh, but insurance for really big things like a cancer diagnosis or a big car pile pile up or a sudden disability, those are big life changing events. And the goal of insurance is that it doesn't cost you a lot, but it protects you from these big downpours because it transfers the risk from you to the insurance company. Okay. So this is where I think a lot of people get into this trap of buying insurance, right? Cause it, it, it pleads on our fear and our anxiety right this is what all insurance kind of you've you've seen insurance commercials right they like want you to think lovingly about family events and they play sappy music and they show like kids mm-hmm. going off to what if college i'm struck by and, lightning yeah and they also they they plead on your fear and so this is where you see things like insurance for phones and stuff like that right like if your phone is $200 to replace, but you're paying $20 a month in insurance, you need a pretty good probability that you're going to continually need to replace your phone and that your phone is going to be, you know, damaged in covered events, right? A right. lot of those phone insurance won't cover it if it's your fault. Uh, yeah, and or, most
1: of the time it is. Yeah,
2: usually, usually it's, you know, you dropped it in the toilet out of your... Yeah, showing off of your that I can bodies.
1: juggle phones.
2: <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> um... And so this is where I see a lot of people. They they get um, trip protection insurance, right? Like, it th- this is different than travel insurance. <laughs> this is this is like paying the extra ten dollars on your plane ticket. So that if it gets canceled, you, uh, you know, you'll get refunded.
1: I thought you were uh, talking about like insurance from being clumsy when you said trip
2: protection. Which <laughs> uh, <laughs> that be would totally valid. That would be pretty great. Uh, the, I mean, that's health insurance, right? I guess. Um, I so. I, I see a lot of people that start insuring things that they don't need to insure. And those are where they just really nickel and dime you because often what happens is those policies are not going not going to help you in the circumstances when you need them. A lot of those trip protection coverages only cover you if your trip gets canceled due to uh due to sickness, right? Like I had a trip planned uh to Japan and it was scheduled for uh, i was supposed to leave at 9 p.m. and at 4 p.m. the earthquake hit. Oh wow. Um I did not go on that trip for a bunch of obvious reasons. Um trip insurance wouldn't have covered that because that is considered an act of god or natural disaster and they had an exception in that, right? Mm. So it I ended up having I ended up being able to negotiate. I was traveling on points, so I got the points back. But um there's my point is is that you really want to think about is this something where i actually couldn't afford if this happened to me and that's why like liability coverage in the cases of like you are driving a car and you hit a mercedes-benz and you someone has to get medevaced you probably can't cover that out of your emergency fund right right right. (laughs) um and so you want to find ways to get covered for those sorts of things like if you have a massive fire in your apartment and everything you own gets destroyed, that's gonna be a big financial hit.
1: Right, so insurance should be covering the big things that are important that you couldn't otherwise cover yourself.
2: Yeah, and it's transferring risk, right? So you're paying for the privilege of having someone else bear the risk for that Mm -hmm. event. So homeowners and renters insurance is often a requirement as part of your house financing. So if you bought a a house with a mortgage, which most people do, um, or if you're renting from like a corporate landlord, Um, you're usually going to be legally required to have it or required to have it under contract. Yep. Auto insurance is legally required in every state for your car, although what each state requires, the type of insurance, varies. We're a full coverage state in Oregon. So these are often the only types of insurance that folks have, and they're pretty similar, so I'm going to kind of cover the terms for all of them together. When you want to understand the effect of insurance on your budget, the two most important terms to know are premium. And deductible and your premium is what it costs you to keep the insurance regardless of whether or not you use it so that's what you pay on a semi-annual or annual basis sometimes as part of your monthly mortgage payment your deductible is the portion of your costs you'll cover before your insurance company will come and pay out Mm -hmm. now a lot of people go for low premium coverage if they're living close to the margins um, and that's because they feel like they can't afford expensive insurance. However, paying a slightly higher premium can be helpful if you're really close to the margins because you can't necessarily come up with a big deductible. So if you get an emergency fund in place, raising your deductible is a good way to lower your monthly costs. Does that oh, make sense? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So al- almost always a big deductible equals lower premiums. Right. Higher Higher premiums usually equals lower deductible.
1: Huh. Well, that, that definitely allows for some flexibility in terms of budgeting with those two options. I didn't thought about it that way.
2: Yeah. So it's it's pretty simple. Um, If you have an emergency fund, you can save money by having a lower premium and a higher deductible. I usually recommend a deductible of around $1,000 for almost all these types of insurance, which is a ton of money if you don't have an emergency fund, which is why I want you to prioritize getting that emergency fund yeah. in place. Um, but. If you do have that emergency fund in place, it's literally saving you money because you can afford a higher deductible. $1,000 with a decent emergency fund in place is a lot of money, but it's, you know, you can take it out of your emergency fund if something catastrophic happens. Now, this also means that you can't make claims for really small things. Um, So if we're going for coverage for the big things, not the tiny things, you're not going to call in about a lost, you know, you're not going to report to your renter's insurance that you have a... A lost trinket in your house right you're (laughs) you're only going to do it for something really big but if you save $500 in insurance premiums by raising your deductible $750 it only takes a year and a half for you to break even this is called a break-even analysis Mm -hmm. where you figure out how much you save in premiums and how long it will take you to be made whole on raising your deductible
1: Right, based on the odds of something going wrong.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so this is why a break-even analysis, even though it sounds scary, is it's not that complicated, um, and it's important for deciding coverage levels for your budget. So if you're in a state where it's legal to go without collision insurance and your car is older, sometimes it's worth looking at a break-even analysis on collision insurance on your car it's possible that if your car has a low value, it's not necessarily worth covering with collision insurance. Um, Collision insurance simply means the cost for your own car if it was to get damaged.
1: Oh, so not the other car as well. Not the other car. Um,
2: And the reason why is because dropping it can often end up saving you money. And uh, obviously, this is another place where having an emergency fund in place is important because you are going to need to replace the car. Um, But it's very common that your car might get totaled very quickly uh, If it has a low value and so collision insurance doesn't necessarily make sense Mm -hmm. Um, In auto in auto insurance policies There's three numbers that kind of spell out the difference So they're usually written something like 100 slash 300 slash 100 Okay, and that policy represents three things The 100 is the most insurance in thousands of dollars they will pay per person for a bodily injury. So in this example, there's $100,000 of coverage per person.
1: Oh, the first number is thousands. Yes. Oh, that's a larger number than I'd realized. If it was only
2: $100 per person, we would be very (laughs) screwed. Um, it, It costs $100 if they just look at you at the hospital. Uh, the second number is bodily inter- injury per crash. So this is the maximum combined amount that your insurance will pay for any one crash in thousands of dollars. So in the example of a 100, 300, 100 policy, this policy covers 300,000 per crash. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and then the last is property damage. In this case, the maximum they will cover to repair or replace cars is $100,000. Um. So when you're looking at coverage, it's important to understand those levels of coverage. Um, one of the reasons why this is really important is you need to think about what that worst case scenario is when it comes to these kinds of policies, right? If someone gets medevaced and the most they will pay per person for bodily injury is $100,000, you might use up that $100,000 very quickly, mm-hmm. right? Because unfortunately, healthcare is very expensive So if that in this was country. a
1: real issue you were concerned about, you might want to go with the uh, with insurance higher- policy with a higher... Uh- what's the word i'm looking for
2: well the it, it's not a deductible it's just a high it's a higher um a higher payout that oh, they're okay. willing to do right so the more is co- the more that's covered by them likely the more expensive and the higher your deductible the lower the premiums right so if you've got a low premium and full coverage with very high numbers in all of those so if you've got a 500 300 500 policy which would be kind of on the higher end of mm-hmm. policies and you have a uh, relatively uh, low deductible, you're probably gonna be paying a lot each month. Mm-hmm. Now there's other factors that go into um, how much insurance costs you. Right, probably um, the
1: probability of your risks. Exactly, uh, so
2: from from car insurance, it's often your credit score that gets factored into this, right? Your credit score can heavily affect um, because they need you to pay up your insurance premium, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have bad credit, often what happens with that is that your um, auto insurance goes up if you're high risk so if you are, for example, a teenage ma- male with a red sports car, you are considered to be at high risk for a uh, crash in yep, your car.
1: Or a lot of points on your license, I've heard, can be yes. a factor.
2: Um, obvi- and that's, I mean, that one's an obvious risk factor, right? right? <laughs> There's a ton of different ways that you can lower your premium on your car insurance um, by that you might not anticipate. So, like, if you're still a student, you can get a good GPA discount. Um, and that essentially says, like, hey, if your GPA is a above a certain amount, we will lower your premium because we, we've we discovered that you're lower risk. Huh. Um, economists are considered a very low risk subset and so they get lower premiums. <laughs>
1: huh, that's a... Uh...
2: I'm sure there's
1: some interesting correlations going on there. Yeah, um,
2: (laughs) I mean, and this is like, this is a fun, interesting thing from statistics, but the important thing to know is do some research, figure out if there is some sort of case in which you are considered lower risk. Um, If you're a veteran, then you are very likely qualified for um, some significant veterans discounts and that is because they found veterans altogether to be a lower risk group, right? Hmm. Um, And so... There's a a lot of reasons to kind of do the research and find out what sort of risk factor things you can use to exploit to get a lower discount. If you have renters or homeowners insurance, one of the big factors that's gonna factor in is what the risk for damage to the property is so in the case of renters insurance if you've got um a secure entryway right so i live in a apartment building that has like a, a fob key system to get in i don't think it's necessarily that great but but it, it's good
1: enough to count as a nice it's good enough secure. It, it
2: counts lower versus if i lived in like a walk-up apartment um uh, because there's sprinkler systems and because my building is seismically upgraded because I live in a relatively new construction building I pay lower than I did when I lived in kind of a crappier apartment <laughs> that was built in the <laughs> 1970s And I'm pretty sure was about to fall down yep, at just any itching
1: to fall over. Yeah, um, it sounds like my house <laughs>
2: uh, So there I mean and and didn't have a sprinkler system built in and people were allowed to smoke in the building all of those factors <laughs> raised the cost that I paid Um And uh, some things can even factor in like how close you live to uh, a hospital or a a fire, what is it called? fire Fire fire, station fire station yeah um so there's a there's a bunch of things that can factor in one of the most important things to know is that it's worth doing your research and shopping around for a lot of these a lot of people really underestimate how much they can save by jumping insurance um and this is not me saying like hey go buy insurance guys (laughs) um i'm saying if you are attempting to protect yourself it's worth doing the research because these can be huge big wins for your budget yeah um if you do a little research on this but The thing I don't want is going like crazy and cutting all of your insurance coverage, even for things that you need, cars and renters, I think being a a great example, and health obviously as well. Lightning. Um, Because you know what's really expensive? Cancer. Car (laughs) pileups. These are great examples where you can really, really screw yourself in the long term if you don't have insurance coverage. and so, you know, I pay I pay like $9 a month for my renter's insurance coverage. I'm paying for that peace of mind um, that if my whole apartment burns up or gets broken into. Um, another thing that I do wanna point out, so um, you're an independent contractor, right? You have some jobs that uh-huh. pay you 1099. Um, we bring up the distinction a lot of the time on here, but what I would like people to understand is that um, renter's insurance and homeowner's insurance usually are very clear at separating what is business property versus what is personal property? Oh, so interesting. If you that jo- makes sense. Yeah. So if you have, um, you know, like a $2,000 laptop that you use because you produce audio and you have claimed that on your taxes uh, because you are a contractor as a deduction and so it's considered business property. Um, it may not be covered under your renter's insurance if it gets stolen. And so if you fall under the category of someone that runs a business, maybe just because you're a 1099 contractor, not because you you know, have a storefront. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, then you're going to want business insurance. You, I see where this is going. Yeah,
2: you may want to look into business insurance. Business insurance is usually very cheap if you're not doing a high-risk profession.
1: Um. Right, if you don't really have a business. Yeah, yeah. If you've got,
2: <laughs> you know, unfortunately you work in the gig economy of something like that. Um, this is one of the areas in which some people that are doing driving for gig economy companies like Lyft and Uber mm-hmm. um, have found themselves in really severe straits. And Oh, that is because, because, because I imagine
1: your auto insurance wouldn't necessarily cover your and it, sometimes it does car. sometimes
2: it doesn't. it's um unfortunately, it's so new that there's not a lot of case law around it. and some companies are trying to push back on this and saying essentially, like you have what is personal coverage, you don't have taxi coverage. Uh-huh. and um, so we can't pay out on this. Um, and unfortunately, Uber doesn't really offer a lot of protections, um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uber and Lyft, um, I believe. And that's, I think, mainly because there doesn't exist good products for these companies, not necessarily. I mean, as much as I love to to wake up and um, talk trash about companies, <laughs> that uh, certain companies, um, Right their... Less
1: hostility and more just a lack of developed case law. And products. exactly.
2: yes. Um, so, and so. possibly hostility, who knows <laughs>
1: <laughs> It can be both.
2: They really just want to replace all the drivers with robots. Um,
1: so this is a basic question. but I know healthcare it's a matter. Shopping is a matter of going to healthcare dot gov and sort of seeing what do you apply for what what works? Uh, how would I go about uh, shopping for, say, renter's insurance?
2: Um, so if you want to shop for renter's insurance, um, one of the easy things to do is start with a banking institution that you're already with. Um, they'll usually give you the best rates. So if huh. you already have a, a banking institution that off- also offers insurance, um, so usually these are going to be the larger ones. Um, if you bank with a credit union, it's less likely they have something like renter's insurance. Um, but if you bank with some are very large, like um, I, so I bank with, um, a uh, military co-op bank and they also offer insurance so that's ha- mm-hmm. who I got my renter's insurance through. Um, you can also like if you google renter's insurance coverage um, you will find 9,000 websites that will, sure. <laughs> that will compare. One of the things to look out for though is once you fill in your phone number on one of those insurance shopping websites you will never stop getting calls from insurance agents.
1: Okay noted. Don't don't give them your phone number. <laughs> yeah don't give them a
2: real phone number I would say. Um so yeah there's plenty of ways in which you can uh, you can go online and kind of do some research and find out the right one hmm. um, and shop around like I said shop around if if you find a quote that does not make you comfortable if they're charging trying to charge you $50 a month for renter's insurance that's probably too much unless you live in a mansion um, and I don't know have hundreds a of thousands of, of dollars of equipment <laughs> yeah um, most likely uh you can shop around and find something cheaper
1: okay so we had a listener question that's sort of what am i saying someone asked if i don't have car insurance is it worth buying insurance when i rent a car from a rental agency
2: um yeah actually this is a really interesting question so um a a lot of folks i know don't necessarily have a car and car insurance on their own um, and one thing to know is that a lot of those rental agencies, it's structured in such a way where if you don't have your own car insurance, they expect you to have your own car back home, you know when you when you have a rental car. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't upgrade to that rental agency car insurance, you may actually be driving without insurance, which is a ticketable offense and can be incredibly expensive if you're in a crash. So if you don't have your own car insurance, you should totally get the insurance when you rent the car. Um one thing to look into too is some of these higher-end perk credit cards have um car insurance for rental cars built in as a perk.
1: Oh, that's neat.
2: That's... <laughs> it's kind of a weird auxiliary that's... thing. Um, this is what happens when the you know, all the credit card companies are competing for your business is they just throw weird random throw products weird things in there. Yep. Um, but you know, like I, I know a lot of the Chase line um, has this as a the Chase Sapphire line has this as an addition. And I think some of the city cards do as well. Um hmm. so you might want to check. A lot of people don't even realize you don't even necessarily need to rent the car under that credit card. You just need to necessarily own the card. Huh. Um So look into your policy. This is a, you know, good time to dive into (laughs) that fun, the fun thing on your credit cards. Um, So that can be a good, you might not have to pay anything extra if you have that card. So
1: cool. Well, I think that's going to be the end of this show. We're going to keep on talking more about different types of insurance on our next episode.
2: Yeah, I think next week we are going to dive into um, long-term disability insurance and life insurance, uh, two very uplifting subjects. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, guys, I'm a, I'm a total nerd about all of this uh, number stuff and even insurance is even pretty boring to me. So uh, bear with us because this stuff is important. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, I guess that wraps our show for today. Our producer is Will Romy, and our intro music is by Aaron Parecki. I'm Lillian Kerbake, your personal finance educator and host. Thanks for listening, and till next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.